Welcome, everybody, again to the Wright County GOP podcast, the official Wright County GOP podcast, that is. As usual, the opinions and anything we talk about in this episode are that solely of myself and my guest. And speaking of my guest, I'm guessing you all may remember her. She used to write for the Wright County Journal Press. She was the opinions editor, correct? Yes, I wrote the opinion column. Okay. Uh, We have Miriam Orr, who has since left us uh, for Tennessee, which we will get into in a little bit. But what we're going to do is kind of go through all of her experience here in Wright County, all of her knowledge that she has for Wright County conservatism, Um, And without any further ado, here she is, the former opinions writer for the Wright County Journal Press, Miriam Orr. How are you? I am doing so well. Hello. I'm so, this is a long time coming. It is. Oh, and and before we go any further, I'm going to take us through kind of a strange journey of how the two of us got to know each other. We moved out to Buffalo in November of 20, as I have said before in a couple podcasts and uh, stuff like that and talking to people. And after getting out here, I wanted to get involved and I wanted to try to keep Wright County right. And I can't quite remember how I came across you. Maybe it may have actually been my wife that found your name. because I, I thought to myself, man, we're out here in, for the most part, red country. Uh, and that is red as in Republican red, not red as in communist red. Right. Good distinction. <laughs> um, and it was either myself or my wife who found your name and then found the blog that you had been writing after you left. The... Yes, I remember that. Yeah. And I emailed you and it must have been a functional email because i got a response and we had a few uh exchanges back and forth but what's i what's pretty interesting and important is that you are the one that directed me towards one of wright county's one of wright county conservatives most favorite men and that is sheriff derringer yes who I talked to a few weeks ago and was our first podcast. And you also directed me towards our lovely senator out here, Bruce Anderson. Yes. And I talked to him on my way home one day for, I think, an hour and a half uh, on my Bluetooth. Um, I was being legal, Sheriff. Don't worry. (laughs) I was not holding a phone. Uh, And then since then, I've obviously... Uh, gotten involved and here I am now as the media coordinator for the Wright County GOP but fill in any gaps uh, between or in that story of how um, how you and I found each other and maybe there are not many but if there are let us know I don't think there are I think you did a really good recap that was a really good cliff notes version but yeah I think it was like right after my big we'll call it a scandal of leaving the paper here in Buffalo um, I got uh, just uh, my inbox just flooded with people who responded to that last column and 
Everything what was the could. last column? Explain. The last column that I wrote kind of outroed me from the journal press and broke down kind of the crescendo of everything that happened and why I was leaving. Um, I had gotten into quite a discussion with the editor over there and the owner, Tom McDonald, about the direction of the column after COVID happened. Like, this was on the brink of COVID becoming a, a, the global pandemic that we know and despise today. Mm-hmm. Um, after, because I had wrote the week before the whole COVID mess happened, I had wrote a very strongly worded column about... Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> and that was right in the era of when she did her infamous tearing of the documents at the State of the Union address. Oh, sure. Um, and I wrote a very, very strongly worded opinion column, pretty much calling for her dismissal from government. Mm-hmm. But that didn't go over very well, obviously. And that was kind of the beginning of the end. And then when COVID happened and they announced it to the world, I wrote actually just a very tame, it was a very tame column and it was just filled with this message of just hope and that you know peace I filled it with a lot of biblical scripture because that's the kind of person I am everybody knows that that a big part of my column was you know just proclaiming my faith and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and sharing bible verses every you know other week and when that happened I just felt really impressed that we as not just a community but we as a nation We are the nation, you know, in God we trust. And God bless America. We're a nation founded on Christian politics and Christian belief. And I just really felt impressed to put that in my column and say, hey, everything's going to be okay. You know, God's got this. And that's what I did. And I filled it with a whole bunch of scripture. And it was one of my best columns. And I got so many good, so many good replies and just public interaction from that. But there was also really bad flack for that I I caught some really bad press and really bad flack for that and my boss the next day Mr. McDonald called me into the office and into his office which was right across from where I sat and pretty much in a nutshell told me we needed to reevaluate the column because COVID was going to be a bigger scarier you know global thing than any it had blown up overnight and he said well this is going to change the world and we really need to keep the column up you know just really calm cool collected we don't need to be diversive or divisive or you know we don't need to ruffle any feathers don't want to rock the boat you and basically in a nutshell he told me in not so many words that i needed to back off the controversial subjects and that i just needed to you know unite the county and you know unite the state and the people and not scare anybody and <laughs> My, my immediate reaction was, okay, I can understand that approach. I can understand that people don't want to be scared. But at the same time, you have a responsibility as a member of the press and as an entity in American government that has, you know, constitutional and amendment rights to talk about the ugly things in society. That is the entire purpose of a newspaper. And that is the entire purpose of the press is to, you know, be objective and talk about the things that nobody wants to talk about and especially in an opinion column and at that point I'd been working for the paper for almost three years and I had been told from the beginning in the jump that the column could be anything I wanted it to be and that you know as long as nothing illegal was going on in the column and it wasn't inciting violence that you know I could write about you know everything I wanted or anything I wanted without any pushback and that you know the paper would stand by 
my opinions being my own and that it was my own creative space. And that was great. And, you know, I did that for almost three years. And then to have, in the wake of the pandemic, to have it happen, it was kind of a shock. And I was like, really? We're changing the direction of the opinion column based on a column that's full of biblical scripture that's talking about, you know, God having everything under control. And that's basically calling people to pray and just be at peace and not worry. This is really what's going to change the direction of the column. I was shocked. Like, I really, really was. And things kind of spiraled from there and it turned into way more of a discussion than it probably should have. Um, And I rendered my notice right away. I told him, well, you can consider this to be my two weeks notice because this is not how censoring somebody's opinion and telling them what they can and cannot talk about in a space that you have given them for three years and suddenly trying to tell them what their opinion should be because of circumstances in the world is not cool. And that's not, not only is that not fair, telling me what my opinion should be, but it's not the purpose of the opinion page. And that was kind of the beginning of the end. And then when I published my final goodbye and kind of broke down the situation and in a way more formal way, the community responded and I think and then I started that then my blog which I no longer am publishing but that's when you found me and you reached out you were one of the people in my inbox that was like hey I've read your blogs I you know stumbled upon your column and you know it was a hugely long email that was fantastic and really did a <laughs> very good job that. of introducing <laughs> you and your your thoughts and who you were as a person and that is kind of where it all began yes and hey. then you participated a few times in my endeavor from last summer. Yes. Logical and right. Yes. And I promised that you could write about whatever you wanted. Mm-hmm. And did I stay true to that? Yes, you absolutely did. Of course. You let me write about <laughs> anything and everything that I wanted, and I I wrote some pretty I wrote some pretty some pretty dicey things on that on that page mm-hmm. too. I really did, and it was great. Yep. That was great. So, going forward, uh, you have left us for Tennessee. Um, I have. Take us through your decision to move to Tennessee. Um, maybe some things that you're... <laughs> they can, There have to be some pretty noticeable differences between Tennessee and Minnesota. Take us through some oh, of yes. that. Um, and I'm assuming... You're possibly every Friday and Saturday night hanging out with Candace Owens and Ben Shapiro. <laughs> Don't they, I wish. Because they're both down there, I think. <laughs> Actually, I have no idea where they are and where you are other than the state. So sure. So I'm just assuming that you all are in the same block. That I'm within spitting distance? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Um, sure. So the decision to move to Tennessee has been one that's a journey. Wow. it's been It's a journey. It's been three or four years in the making now. Um, Like right around the time, I guess, everybody decided to get out of Dodge, we just really felt impressed by the Lord being, you know, Bible-believing people and followers of Jesus, that the next season and the next chapter of our life was going to be out of Minnesota. And at the time, we had no idea where. We've never lived anywhere else. I'm born and raised in as Minnesota as anybody could be. And we were like, okay. So we were open to to that idea and then when the Lord said Tennessee our mouth kind of hit the floor because a 
my family has never spent any time in the South whatsoever and knew absolutely next to nothing about the state of Tennessee. So we decided to venture down there during the height of COVID, which was absolutely a miracle that it even got to happen because when states are shutting down left and right, there was always the chance that we might not be able to come home. But we went down there and absolutely just fell in love with the people. And And what city are you in? I am in Middle Tennessee. So I live smack dab in the Cumberland Gap between Nashville and Knoxville. Okay. And I am working on buying a property. I'm renting there now, but I'm working on buying a property um, just west of Knoxville. Okay. An hour out of the Smoky Mountains. So as soon as the property here that we have in Minnesota sells and is off the market, we will be down there. Got it. But so... Um, as for the Daily Wire, I was absolutely tickled pink that Ben Shapiro and Michael Knowles and Matt Walsh and Candace Owens were all moving to Nashville because obviously the Daily Wire is a media organization that I appreciate mm-hmm. and consult. So um, who knows? Maybe someday I've had, you're not the first person to point me in the direction of the Daily Wire. So who knows? Maybe someday my path will cross there. But as of now, it has not. But I think they are in Nashville. I, I think they so. are. I believe I they are. Yep. And it would not surprise me because Nashville is continually growing and exploding. So long story short is Tennessee is where we believe the next chapter of our life will be. And yes, it is very, very different than good old Minnesota. Very different. Yep. As a person who spent um, the a, a Van Wilder type stint in Kentucky at the University of Kentucky. Uh-huh. I can I can attest that it is. Uh, where did you, let, let's quick go through what brought you to the Wright County Journal Press? We forgot to go through your my background. You, yes, and where where you started, what got you to Wright County, and then what got you to the Journal Press. The Journal Press, and then uh, I have an, uh, a very um, I don't know. We'll call it a an interesting or spicy uh, question after that. Not, Ooh. not really spicy. Putting me in the it. hot seat. Wow, in the jump <laughs> seat. Okay, so um, my journey, I've only lived in Wright County since August of 13, I think, 2013. We moved down here. I was born and raised up in Kanabic County. And a lot of people, it's they say call that, it the big woods. Kanabic County. Okay. Or it's otherwise, I think a lot of people pronounce it as Kennebec County. Okay. But um, a lot of people say that it's the big woods of Minnesota, but it's not that far north. If you know where Hinkley is going up to Duluth mm-hmm. and where Toby's is, famous Toby's, I, w- I grew up probably 15 miles from Toby's. So, um, yeah, that's where I spent most of my foundational years. That was where my parents were from. And when August of 2013 happened... My dad ended up losing his job that he had up there, and he got offered a job in Winstead, Minnesota, oh. and which is over by Cocado, where I live now, mm-hmm. and that is what brought us to Wright County, and we had never spent any time out here in western Minnesota whatsoever, and I had always been raised in the north, and we had no idea what to expect coming out here whatsoever. I didn't even know that it was the quote-unquote red republican red part of the state but um we moved out here and bought a house and i have been here since august of 13 and um, which would have been what what age oh gosh let's see i was 19 maybe okay 
Yeah. Oh, so you did your schooling. I went to college in St. Bonifacius, which is an hour from Pocato. You're up until your high school years. Oh, my high school years. I was homeschooled. Oh, that's right. I was schooled at home. Yep, I was homeschooled from first grade to twelfth grade. Graduated homeschooled. Okay. So and so was my brother. He never stepped foot in a public school until he went to college. So, and then I went to college at Crown College over in St. Bonifacius and got oh, my bachelor's yes. degree in communication and Christian study. That is right by Victoria, right? Correct. Yes. Right yep. by Victoria off of Highway 7. Yes. I know exactly uh, what you're talking about. Yes. Anything? So that, uh, so now, what, what, how did you get to the journal press? So, um... It was not very long after I graduated in 2016 and I had worked, I had worked, I started right out of college. I worked for a school and ended up getting laid off. And then I worked for like a daycare center. I was an assistant manager over there and I was looking to move back home because at the time I was living in Rogers in an apartment and I was looking to move back home kind of towards Wright County and get kind of out of those outer skirts of the metro and I had seen in the paper, actually my mom saw it in the paper, that they were hiring a reporter for the Wright County Journal Press. Mm-hmm. And we knew that that was a small, itty-bitty, you know, just community paper, that it wasn't, you know, the Star Trib or St. Paul Pioneer Press or anything. And she's like, and that was easy commuting distance from where we lived in Cocado to Buffalo. So my mom's like, you should apply for this job. You could be a reporter. You've always wanted to be a reporter. And... I was like, sure, I can do that. So I I applied and they interviewed me and offered me the job within an hour of interviewing me. Like I got, I went in there, I told them basically I know how to write. I don't know how to take pictures, but I know how to write. Here's some of my writing because I had worked for the college newspaper and they were like, we don't care if you don't know how to take pictures, we can teach you that, we need you to write. And he offered me a job within an hour of interviewing him with me. So that was my, it kind of was a happenstance. I kind of stumbled into it. I didn't go to journalism school. I actually never thought about going into journalism after I graduated. I didn't know what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, I'd always, I guess I had fanciful ideas of being a journalist from like Superman and Lois Lane days and what it would be like to be a journalist and a reporter I had absolute and I had taken you know I studied it in college we did you know courses on what it means you know ethics in journalism and it was a part of my curriculum but it wasn't a focus so um I had absolutely um no idea that that would be something that came into my life but it absolutely did and I know why it did because that job really not helped not only helped me grow in my writing ability but it was a huge privilege to be able to get to understand the politics of minnesota the people like city government community politics i got to know some great people like sheriff derringer bruce anderson you so like i got you know a lot of my network came out of that job but i think the biggest privilege of it all was that i really got to utilize that column to really spread my wings and develop what I believed about politics, who I was as a Minnesotan and somebody who's act, who's very, not active in politics, but very knowledgeable of it. And then my faith. Like, I preached so much gospel of Jesus and so many Bible verses in my column. 
and that I and it touched so many people's lives weekly I would have people either come into the office or send me emails or send me letters in the mail just talking about my column and how it like changed their whole perspective in their life and so that is that is the reason why I have that job I know that in hindsight but I never imagined for a minute being somebody two years out of college that that would be a responsibility that I got to have and it is a responsibility it comes with a lot of responsibility carrying a constitutional amendment around your back pocket carrying a a badge that says press is a really big responsibility that I don't think enough people, not just in Minnesota, but in the nation, it's not a responsibility that they take seriously. Yeah. They really don't, as we can see. Yeah. No, that's a good point. <laughs> um, what, I don't think I have any, oh, well, other than what you just said made me think of why there are a lot of my St. Francis people who, when I brought your name up, were very familiar with you and your writing and loved and appreciated a lot of the columns you wrote. So well, the good no... people over at St. Francis, yes. hello if you're listening. Yes, yep. <laughs> that is uh, obviously where my daughter goes, and I've made a lot of friends with them. And they are truly wonderful people because they have accepted me in all of my... Uh, not yet religious glory, but they uh, they still accept me, and they are all wonderful, wonderful people. And in all of my tests, keyword there being yet, Daniel. Yeah. Keyword there well, is still time. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> there is still time. I know. Uh, so, what are you doing in Tennessee? So, and what uh, is the goal there? The goal in Tennessee. Other than surviving. Than surviving, yeah. What more can you do in 2023, Biden America, but survive? Um, the goal to be is to be moved into Tennessee. I would really like for my whole family and all of my horses and our property, our farm, to be relocated there by the end of the year. That would be absolutely phenomenal if we could get down there before the snow flies. But what I'm doing down there, I won't say who I work for, but I work for um, a, a pretty large company down there in the Nashville area, We the greater Nashville area, we'll say that. And I work in marketing. Hmm. I went after I left the journal press. I ended up going into sales at a dealership here in Buffalo. Probably a lot of people know that because I they recognized me from the paper. But I worked in Buffalo at a dealership, and when I was there, I taught, kind of developed the skill, and really taught myself kind of um, copywriting for marketing which is just handling, you know, um, marketing material and collateral and the copy that you see on like billboards and in menus and on websites, any kind of marketing advertising copy. I really taught myself that that skill set. Quick question, why and and I've looked into this before because I also like to write. Why is it called copy? Why is it a like a copywriter is not that machine that we really no longer use anymore, although it is. But mm -hmm. being a copywriter means, like you just said, you're you're like writing the paragraphs correct at the bottom of marketing, or well, it's why not is it just called that. Copy? It's not. It's <laughs> I handle marketing material. So like when you see an ad on social media, let's say you know you go to. Instagram and you see Applebee's or IHOP or mm -hmm. you know Target and you see their social media post and you look at their photo and it's got the words in the photo mm -hmm. that is all that's copy that's yep. marketing copy why is and it called copy 
Any it idea? just always has. I guess, you know, I would really be interested to study the semantics and the history of why it's called coffee. Do that and get back to us. I, I should. But it's always, I mean, it's always been called you know, hard copy, even in journalism, all, uh, anything that you write and you produce for publishing is called copy. Okay. Whether, you, and you know, when you actually print it out on paper, it's considered to be hard copy. So oh, that's well. like, you know, when you walk into a press room and you know, you ask somebody for the hard copy of your story, they actually yeah. want the physical that piece of sense. paper that either came out of a Xerox machine or once a long time ago, a typewriter, that kind mm-hmm. of a thing. It's just always been called, you know, hard copy. But nowadays, when everything is digital, it's just called copy. So writing, copywriting is writing the copy for marketing. Okay. Maybe you just answered it all. Uh, Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> I'm sure there's a there's an extensive history as to why it's called yes. copy. So get back. Sorry I interrupted and took you off on that. No, that's okay. Uh, yes, get back to you're a copywriter. You're working for a place writing copy in Tennessee. Yes, that is what I do now. Got it. Is there anything else you wanted to add to that other than obviously you want your farm down there? Well, and I think the goal is in, it's hard to say the goal is to ultimately fulfill the plan that God has for our life. Cause you know, this whole thing started by God, you know, telling us and really revealing and putting it on our hearts that the next season of our life would be down in Tennessee and in the South. And that was the direction that he had for us to go. And as any believer, you know, would tell you when the Lord says go or should tell you is that when the Lord says go, you should jump up and ask how, when, and where. Um, And that was kind of the burning question. And we haven't really gotten to the grand scheme of why. I have an idea of why we're moving down there. And that is ultimately to, you know, spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in the church and really just rally a call for living righteously and holy in America because in the Bible Belt. And it's very ironic that Tennessee is in the Bible Belt and in the heart of it. Um, that's never a place I thought I would ever live, but it's very, very ironic that I will be living there and that I am there. And actually, in hindsight, it's not surprising at all. But um, well, they're pretty religious in the South. I know that there is a church on every corner and <laughs> it is not a lie. There are many churches on many corners in Tennessee and I've since I've been down there I have dabbled in visiting just different denominations that you don't see up here like uh, before I came and flew in for the fourth I went to a church in oh gosh where was it in Pikesville Mm. uh, the Church of God of Prophecy and that is a denomination that I am not familiar with. I've heard of it, and I know people who have gone to those kind of churches, but they're not prominent here in the Midwest. So I had absolutely no idea what that was about. So I went in there, and it was your what you would think of a Southern Mountain Church. It was absolutely wonderful. The people were great, and the sermon was spot on, and it was marvelous so i think the grand scheme of going down to tennessee is ultimately fulfilling what the lord has for us and what the lord brings about and you know the bible the bible says that men plan and god laughs and there there is a time and season for everything so you got to live your life one day at a time but ultimately just fulfilling that goal of what he has for us i have an idea of what it is but as of yet i got to get down there first (laughs) I need to actually own 
physical pro- it would be really nice if I had an address so I could go and get my license plates changed at the DMV. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so like I said, uh, I've come across a lot of people that have remembered you from your writing. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, here's that uh, spicy question, although it's not really spicy. It's just, I think it will be intriguing to anybody that remembers you and really enjoyed sure. your stuff. Uh, if you were to be writing still up here in Wright County, give us two columns that you would have likely written, except in the live version. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. There's a lot. I've been away from the paper now for for a good deal for a while. I think 2019 is when I left. So there's been a lot that's happened in in not just America, but the world. Um, And I will preface this by saying that I think not just the Wright County Journal Press, but the papers of Wright County, the newspapers of Wright County, I think that they have a really big, well, responsibility to... Break out of the Wright County bubble. That's a lot of things. That's a, I heard that a lot my first year when I worked the paper, is that there is a bubble in Wright County and that the papers in this area just want to focus on what goes on here in the county. Like, you know, you have the Maple Lake Messenger and, you know, you got the paper over in Delano and you got the Wright County Journal Press and the drummer. And I just heard this, that there is a bubble, that they just want to report on news that's happening in Wright County. And that was really intriguing to me, you know, as kind of a newbie and a greenie in the business was, you know, why are we just focusing on, you know, the county when we are a, we're a conservative county, we're a red, Republican red county, you know, we're supposed to be, uh, that, you know, I think it's debatable. A lot of people would argue with me, but well, for the sake of our, for the sake of the conversation, we will say we are conservative and, you know, we have this great you know conservative county that everyone is so proud of but why are we not investigating or covering news that happens outside of Wright County that was one thing I butted my head against a lot when I worked at the paper was oh it's not in Wright County or it's not exclusive to Buffalo or we don't go out that far or you know we don't report on you know the state news or this that and the other thing it was always just something that was I just, a roadblock. It's like, but why? I very, very clearly remember a conversation that I had at that paper of, it was the end of the year review, which anybody who reads the Wright County Journal Press knows they run a special edition at the end of the year that covers all of the significant events that happen in Wright County that are newsworthy. And it trickles over into the, you know, drummer as the feature. And it just kind of is a time capsule of the year in the lens of the paper. Big responsibility. It was super fun every year I did it. I very much enjoyed it. It was a big project, but... So is this a recap within Wright County? Yeah, a recap of a year within Wright County. It's called the Year End Review or the Year In Review. It's kind of like... It's kind of like a rear view mirror of everything that we leave behind going into a new year in Wright County, okay? Um, And I very, very clearly remember it was (laughs) right in... It was right in at the cap end of 2016 when, you know, President Trump had taken office and was stirring the waters of controversy. And um, <laughs> I had talked to the, edi- the editor and the publisher at the Journal Press about 
putting in putting in the year in review that Donald Trump, you know, some of the things that he had done in the year of, you know, his presidency and, you know, some of the quote unquote scandals that were going on and just some of those really big national news things that were happening. And, you know, the fact that he had won the election should have been, you know, on the front, you know, in the year in review, because that's not just national news. It's not just Minnesota news, but it is Wright County news because he is indeed, in fact, the president of the county uh, in, in, you know, Wright County. And I just remember it was a fight in a, in a very big, very big topic of discussion. I had to push back really hard to get that in that year in review because, oh, well, it's not centric to Wright County. We just want to cover Wright County news. And I think about that a lot. And I think that the papers in this county and in any county in Minnesota have a really big responsibility to keep the people in this county informed about what's going on in Minnesota and in the nation. I mean, again, it, it all goes back to the ethics of a newspaper and, and the ethics that are involved with media responsibility. But, you know, it's very important to look beyond the lines of Wright County. And I don't think any paper in this county does that enough. And I would just say, if there are people listening to this podcast... Millions of them. <laughs> the millions of people that are going to be listening to this podcast, that the papers and the media representatives of this county who carry that press badge, who are, you know, the publishers of these papers, really should begin to stretch their wings and cover some of the stuff that's going on in this state and in this nation and be objective about it, but let people here know what's happening because we are not the center of the universe i'm sorry if that alarms anybody you are not the center of the universe we don't revolve around you but there is a big state there's a lot of things happening here there's a lot of things that affect minnesotans that a lot of people aren't aware of and i you know came to know a lot of that by my job and just talking to people and i had absolutely no idea and i was a media representative and i didn't even know some of the stuff that was happening in this state and in this nation. And I only learned about it by talking to people and, you know, being on a beat. They call it being on a beat when mm -hmm. you're out in the community. Um, but I just think that's a something that papers in this county and in counties across Minnesota should really reconsider. But that's not the question you asked me. That was a really long rabbit trail. <laughs> but some of the things that I would be talking about if I was still the opinion columnist over at the Journal Press. Um, there's a lot. Um, I think now more than ever, when we are in 2023 Biden America, the Biden apocalypse, we will call it, um, I, I think I would be talking a lot about a lot of encouragement because I think people, we, you see it across the nation in any recession or in, you know, when inflation is really high and, you know, people can't afford basic groceries or, you know, putting gas in their car to go to work and are trying to live paycheck to paycheck. I think there would be, a, I would talk a lot about encouragement and hope and that, you know, if you study, if you study history in the heartbeat of America, this is not the first recession we've ever been in and it will probably not be the last. Um, and just really just encourage people to develop that faith muscle and get back to the basics of faith. And I think we see that a lot now. A lot of people are going, starting to go back to church and really develop faith and believe in something other than themselves and what they see. Because seeing, seeing isn't always believing. 
It can be right in front of your face, but there's two sides to every coin. So I really feel like that would be one thing I would talk about is just really encouraging people to get back into the Bible and get back to studying the heartbeat of America and what we were founded on and what our founding fathers built this nation on and why they established it. They established this nation for a reason. They established it in fear of God. And I, I believe it was Thomas Jefferson who said that you can't really protect or ensure liberty and freedom without the Bible and without God. Because um, I believe everything points back to religion and points back to faith. And there's a lot of com- uh, conservative commentators that would agree with me, like Michael Knowles and Matt Walsh. Everything you know points back to that religious compass. But um, I think Thomas Jefferson had the right idea that you can't succeed and govern a people if you don't have faith and if you don't have God. Um, because that is where you know true freedom and that is where you know true liberty is through having faith. So I think I would talk about that a lot, but um, some of the more political things that um, I would talk about, I would definitely have thoughts on Hunter Biden and what's going on with the recently discovered illegal substances in the White House. Um, That is just super entertaining to me and how that barely hit national news this week about what's being discovered in the White House and what's going on there. So I would definitely be researching that and, you know, talking about it. And Did that just pop up this morning or was that yesterday morning? And gosh, today I, think is... it, I think it was yesterday and today it's kind of just cycling through the news today. But I, I think it today hit... Today being Thursday. Today being Thursday, yes. I It was this week, I know that. But it's not nearly garnering as much attention under this presidency as it would have in 2016 could you just imagine the fallout if cocaine or any illegal substances would have been found in a trump white house oh my gosh there are a lot of things happening today that had they happened four years ago we would have been told the end was near yes everything is crashing down everything yeah that (laughs) but today today it's it's barely it's fox news i think barely covered it which is surprising to me because, you know, Fox News is, as much as I think that they are controlled opposition, they are, I think, one of the very few lingering lights of hope that media has in this nation. Um, so that I would definitely have thoughts on Hunter Biden. I would definitely have thoughts on what happened with, you know, the Ocean Gate sub. Um, there's a, just... There are so many, so many unanswered questions I have about that whole fiasco and everything that happened and so many thoughts that I have that are probably, that are, that are for another time and another date probably, but um, I would have thoughts on that. The Ukraine mess. Oh, I could talk so much about the Ukraine mess and what, and just what it makes me feel and how absolutely ridiculous I think it, it is that we have been sending billions of dollars over to Ukraine to fight a war that we have no business fighting in. I saw something by, and I'm sure you know who I'm talking about, and I'm guessing maybe listeners as well, Matt Taibbi, who was one of the Twitter file recipients along with Barry Weiss and Michael Schellenberger, right? Mm -hmm. I believe those were the main three. Yes, I think so. Um, I came across something he, and, and I'm, I don't subscribe to his Substack, uh, but I got to read the first, you know, three paragraphs of it. And he talked about how there are reporters in the trenches, because a lot of this is like 
World War One, World War Two fighting, correct? Like yes, they're, they're that's in... my understanding. Is they're not nearly as military militarily advanced as no. us. Yeah, say that. And so there has been reports, and this is coming from Matt Taibbi, who wrote for Rolling Stone, who has admitted and has still said, "I'm a classical liberal. Mm -hmm. I believe in free speech. I don't think we should be censoring anybody." Right. Uh, I really like him. I, I love his writing. He's I think, an old school Democrat. Yeah. And, but he's just, like, I, I really, I've heard him on Megyn Kelly before. I've heard him on other, he sure. just seems like a, a really honest guy. Um, and he was talking about how journalists in the trenches of the Ukrainian soldiers, um, are the Ukrainian soldiers are being asked to cover up swastikas on their uniforms. Oh. And what this goes back to, or what is just so wildly, I guess you could call it entertaining, not really, I suppose, but just fascinating and interesting is that obviously Putin's dialogue and his propaganda has been, we are liberating Ukraine from the Nazis. Mm -hmm. Just like we did in World War II, right? We, sure. we helped the U.S. liberate the world from Nazis and fascism. Well, I believe what I remember reading in this little excerpt was that a lot of the Nazis fled Germany to Ukraine. And so there are a lot of grandchildren in Ukraine of the former Nazi soldiers. So oh. what I'm, I guess what I'm getting at is that I would imagine a lot of people believe, you know, would hear Putin talk about liberating Ukraine from the Nazis and go, well, this is insane. This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. There are not, Ukraine is not controlled by the Nazis sure. or the modern day Nazis. We do know that it is an incredibly corrupt country. Right. Has been for a long time. For but sure. then to find Matt Taibbi saying that. I mean, what what do you believe? What can you believe anymore? Because we've obviously been told here that we, you know, Putin, ob Putin is obviously an awful human being. Right. And it's not good at all what he's doing. But we've been told that Ukraine is now, I mean, like everything in Ukraine is, you know, basically they're all saints on earth. Right. When they are obviously not. They are so they are so worthy of all of the billions of hard-earned tax dollars that we're sending over there. Yes. I, I get what you're saying. Um, what can you believe anymore? Well, you can believe very little of what comes out of mainstream media. Um, being somebody who has worked in media, you get a little bit of an interested, interesting perspective on the news. Um a lot of what goes into news, it a lot of people just have this misconception that news, you are on scene, and then what you see and what you record and what you report is automatically just grafted into the next day's edition or the next week's edition of the paper. They have the misconception that if, you know, what happened immediately translates to the page and that is not the case um, a lot of news goes through a lot of proofreading it goes through a lot of copy editing it goes through it transfers many many a story transfers many 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 hands before it hits a press um, and inevitably when that happens you get a lot of opinions and a lot of eyes and a lot of red marks on your paper that say no you can't say this or we're gonna take this out 
Or, well, did you confirm that number? Well, that's kind of a big glaring number, so maybe we should just round it down. Maybe we shouldn't mention a specific number and we should just say hundreds of thousands or, you know, this, that, and the other thing. There's a lot that goes into the construction of a story when you report, um, at least in my experience. Now, I don't know. I can't speak to, like, the Washington, you know, the Washington Post and, you know, the New York Times and how they do it, but I would imagine that there follows a process of, you know, proofreading and copy editing and what goes into a story. So people have the misconception that everything that they're hearing and reading in a newspaper or hearing at a news desk is the cold hard facts. And a lot of times it isn't. A lot of times it is, it sounds really bad like a partial truth, but, or it's not like the full story or it's not, or it's not fleshed out contextually. Like you, a lot of times when you report, you condense things down for readability. Otherwise you get like a nine page news story. And for some papers, that's just not feasible. Um, so there's a lot that goes into the creation of a news story and putting it together from notes. So that's the first thing is you can't, I would advise people as a media representative that you can't believe everything you hear and you can't believe everything that you read you have to re research it yourself. And you have a lot of times you have to go the back waterway and you have to go through the back channels and getting perspective on both sides is hugely important to be objective. Um, so it's not skewed through the lens of your ideal side of the aisle. Understanding both sides of the argument, everybody says it is super important, but it is. Knowing both sides of it, any given topic is, you know, very important. And really you gotta do your due diligence. It's like the study of anything is you have to research to be well versed in any given subject. Just like I had to teach myself copywriting to get my wonderful job that I absolutely love in Nashville. Um, you have to you have to teach yourself and you gotta really pull yourself up by the bootlaces and do it. So but I will say eyewitness testimony really counts for something. The people that are over, you know, reporting from the trenches and reporting from the war, um, they're the unsung heroes, I think, of American history. We, you know, have absolutely, we would have absolutely no idea of what happened in, like, Vietnam or Korea or any of the world wars if it wasn't for the new, for the people running the news on, in, on the inside of that war. Mm -hmm. um, and I, now I know I just came out of saying that, you know, you really can't believe everything you read and see, but at the same time, when you sit down and you talk to these people, like TV, um, who are, have lived it and have been there and are not maybe under the, under the weight or the mantle of a news organization and have it hanging over their heads what they can and cannot say, I think a lot of them would tell you that a lot of what they saw and a lot of what they witnessed is very, is a lot more extreme than what they publish. Um, a very, very good example of this is the situation that happened with the Washington Post way back in the day. If you haven't seen the movie with Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks, I highly, highly recommend it. I actually reviewed that movie when I worked at the paper in the column because it's a phenomenal movie in the story that it's based on a true story and everything, you know, that happened with... What's um, the name of the movie? It's called The Post. Oh. It's got Meryl Streep and Tom yeah. Hanks in it. It came out a couple of years ago. Um, 
that gives us a really good idea of not only media responsibility and media ethics, but it was really the unsung heroes of, you know, war reporters that made that possible, that made the evidence that proved, made that movie. That movie is all about the evidence that came out of the war from reporters and from journalists covering that event that changed, in my opinion, changed the course of history and media ethics. Um, and if you haven't seen the movie, I highly, highly, highly recommend it to just have a very good understanding of what goes, the responsibility that's put on media. And back in that day, it was taken a lot more seriously than it is today. But I think, I think it's super important to understand that not everything that gets into a newspaper or at a news desk is the whole story. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I guess this is just a long way of saying that you have to do your own research and understand. Connect your brain to your spinal cord and think outside of your own feelings and look at facts when you work in the news you have to look at facts good bad and ugly even if they make you uncomfortable and we as a population and the news in this nation is not very good at that because if it is it doesn't subscribe to a narrative or an agenda well it's not popular and thus it won't sell and your ratings will drop it's far too consumer focused it's far too monetarily focused and that was never the that was never the intention of the newspaper. It was not that right and that liberty and that, you know, responsibility was never intended to make money or to be so money focused. It was intended to be informative and to be a servant. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's a really long way of saying what I think about what's happening in Ukraine. It's okay. <laughs> Let's come back to Wright County in your knowledge of Wright County conservatism. Sure. What, and I know you you brought this up to me, I believe, way back when we first corresponded. Um, what are some groups that you got to know, groups people could get involved with, groups people could just seek out if they wanted some good old-fashioned Wright County conservative websites or, I mean, I, I believe, you know, like Rocks and Cows and stuff like that. So when I was working at the newspaper, um, that was just a lot of those groups that you're talking about were just kind of in the beginning phases of being born. So when I started out, actually, I can distinctly remember the 2016 election um, and posting the results of that in the paper and looking for results of not just the county election, but the state of the state and the national election. Um Getting a hold of the conservatives in Wright County was next to nearly impossible. It is like going, at the time, it was like going through the weeds with a machete in the jungle trying to find information on these mysterious people who ran the GOP in Wright County where I could get information from a trustworthy source. Now, the other side of the aisle, you know, the Democrats, and as I called them back in the day, the leftists, and I will still call them leftists, um, they are standing at your door and at your desk hand-delivering you election results on a silver platter one way or another um, every election. 
I worked two elections when I worked at the paper, um, local and national, and never failed that either the next morning or the day of I was either in contact or had results from the left side of the political aisle. They were always super on top of their media communications and their PR, and I never had to go looking for anybody from the other side of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Now the conservatives on the other hand, that was a little bit more of a challenge. So this is this is the rallying cry for the right county conservatives. Please be more accessible and please make yourselves known in the community because not only reporters, but it's really hard as conservatives to find you and figure out where you are. Don't be so mysterious. Um, so a lot of the that's a long way of saying that a lot of those organizations either didn't exist or weren't organized enough for me to really be part of. And as a media representative, you can't really affiliate yourself with either or side of the aisle um, from a professional standpoint. Obviously, in my opinion column, everybody knew where I stood politically, but I did. I worked very, very hard to be an objective reporter. And I and I and there was only one case where somebody challenged my objectivity and it ended up being nothing. And But for the most part, I feel like I served the county very well in being objective in my reporting and my work and being a professional. So when I was when I was a reporter, a lot of those like rocks and cows did not become like a really big thing until after I left. Or and maybe it was, but nobody told me about it or they just wanted to lay low. But I think especially now that Biden has taken office and Trump has changed the political game. I think conservatives now more than ever are way more outspoken, not just in Minnesota, but across the nation. And I think that's a good thing. But there's still a lot of work to be done on our side of the aisle in the political sphere. We need to be way more organized than we are. And we really do need to take a page from the Democrats and the liberals because like it or not, they are organized. They know what they're doing. They're very good at it. And it, there's those people are super involved and very, very passionate about what they believe in their politics and in their personal life. And we can learn from that as conservatives and as a political, a political, you know, entity. So, but one of my favorites that I came to know after I left the paper because I left the paper is the Wright County Restoration Project. They and they meet. Oh my gosh, I think it's one. Or two Thursdays a month, I'll, Daniel, I can get you the information and you can post it with the blog. But they meet here in Buffalo and they were kind of sort of started to be founded by very good friends of mine, um, the Swensons, Claire and her husband. Um, and they have a very, very big heart for what's happening in the school system in Buffalo and in Wright County. Um, and their goal with the last election was to get somebody on the um, Buffalo School Board. Mm-hmm. It, it, it didn't happen this election, but they, you know, I think it was a trial run for them to see how the political sphere in Wright County runs. And I think that they took a lot of good notes and that they're going to have a better stab at it when the next election cycle comes around for the school board. So I think that there was a lot of a learning curve that happened. But they have a very big heart for what's going on in the school front and what's being taught to our kids and what's being, you know, what's passing for curriculum in this state and in this nation. Um, and they grow, they're growing. They are equipping people to understand local politics and to you know, get involved with the voting process and understand 
local school politics and I would say that's like their bit one of their biggest goals and they're a group of really really great people who I know would be super welcoming to whoever wanted to you know walk through the doors and learn more about them and become involved they're always always looking for people to be involved so that is and that's the one that I was really starting to get involved with before I left we were attending the meet me and my family were attending the meetings and really just kind of they're fairly new so they're learning the ins and outs of being an organized organization and um, meeting together and really hammering away kind of at their mission statement and some of their long-term goals um, but yes I would highly encourage people to check out the Wright County Restoration Project I know I think they have a website I'm not sure if they're on Facebook or if they ended up getting kicked off Facebook I don't know <laughs> but um, there is definitely people that I could that I could put in contact I could get people in contact with over there that would be happy to have them yep I've, I have actually gotten to know them as well ah there you um, go you took and... my advice <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, was Restore Minnesota as well going when you were here? That's another one. That... I've heard of Restore Minnesota, but no, I don't think it was around oh. when I was in the paper. Or again, if it was, nobody approached me Got about it. it. Um, like I said, I was not approached by a lot of people from the conservative side when I was working the media office, which is just absolutely astounding to me. But conservatives are, in this county, are very quiet. Well, we're kind of the party of leave me alone. Yes, we are. <laughs> which, which is a fine and peaceful way to live, but the other side is not like that. So It's not, and there is a time and place for that in not only Minnesota politics, but in American, but American politics. We can no longer afford, as the conservative side, we can no longer afford to just sit by and be passive. And just be, oh, well, you know, I can't do anything about this. You know, oh, well, you know, it's another four years, blah, blah, blah. We can no longer afford to take the back seat in what's happening, not just in the state or in the county, but in the nation. Um, we really have to step up our game if we want to make a difference. And if we want to take back, you know, influence. For a long time, you know, Trump really set the standard, I think, for, for you know, our side of the aisle and he really if you really look at Trump and what he did in the four years of his presidency he changed the political sphere of not just America but of the world mm -hmm. I mean politics will never be the same they we are no they will never ever be the same and that was because of Trump and that was because he stood up and said I am done with this you I, I don't care about your feelings. I care about the facts of the nation. And he really just, for lack of a better term, went balls to the wall and didn't care. Mm -hmm. And that is the kind of attitude that we have. We need to have is we cannot care about feelings and because the other people, the other side of the political aisle doesn't care. Nobody they don't care, care about, about how we feel. They, <laughs> If they walked in on this conversation right now, they would have absolutely no qualms getting in our face and, you know, frothing at the mouth or, you know, screaming like a banshee or like what they do on TV. They would have absolutely no qualms about it. Lots and of spittle all over the lots table. Lots of spittle all over the table. Maybe some, uh, some overturned microphones and, you know, some <laughs> splashed water here and there. But um, we really can't afford to be quiet anymore. 
we're really, if you look at it and look at American history, we are down to the days that our forefathers in this nation, you know, Samuel Adams, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. We are back to those days. Those men had to take a stand or they were going to lose everything that they came to America for. And it changed the course of American history. And I believe firmly that we are back to those days and that we need to stand up and say, we're not going to be quiet anymore. We're not, we're not content with where the nation is. We don't like where it's going. And we, ha we really have to take back. We really have to take back the reins if we even have a prayer of being a nation, I would say, 30 years from now. Where are we going to be in 30 years, Daniel? <laughs> where, are, where are our children going to be? In, you know, look at the children now that are coming out of the pandemic. They're so different than kids before them. They're so different than I was. And I'm not, I haven't been an adult that long. And it's like, where are we going to be? These are going to be the kids that are running the country in 30 years. Yeah. yeah. Or what's left of our country. Yeah. So if it's not for us, it needs to be for the children. Because Trump says it a lot. Trump says it a lot in his private life. He says it a lot on the news and in his press conferences and on his social media that it is about the children. It is not about us. It is about the children and the future of America. And I agree. It is about children. I mean, you have a child. I don't have children, but you do. And I'm not your daughter's parent, but I think about where America could be when, you know, she's an adult or, you know, being 28 or 30 years old and what this nation is going to look like for her. What rights is she going to have? What rights will still exist for her? Will she have a constitution? I mean, is she going to be able to be anything that she wants to be? Is she going to be able to pursue? Is the American dream going to even be able to be pursuable for her? Well, I'm terrified of <laughs> what could potentially be <laughs> so, down the line. Yeah, so um, I guess that is my advice is a the conservative groups of just of this county of minnesota of whoever is listening to this make yourself known don't be afraid don't be afraid i being somebody who spoke out for you know three years in a blue state in the height of the leftist agenda against conservative uh, against the conservative voice don't be scared don't be afraid. Um, we need you now more than ever. The country, the, the cause needs you now more than ever. So make yourself known. Get organized. Start studying and understanding your rights. Understand what you believe and start getting organized. And then make yourself known. Reach out to your local news office, whether it's radio, whether it's print publication. I don't care who it is. Go in, ask to see a reporter, drop them off a cup of coffee and shake their hand and just say, hey, I represent, you know, the GOP of Wright County or, you know, I'm a conservative in Wright County that has connections and networks. And, you know, how can I help you today? Is there anything that you need? You know, do you have a point of contact for, you know, getting election results and just Make yourself known because the other side is doing it and the other side is really good at it. So we need to we need to mobilize and start being better. We really do need to start being better at it. 
I absolutely think if Minnesota conservative conservatism, I, that's a really hard word to say, um, has any prayer, we need to do better. Mm-hmm. That's well. One of the goals, hopefully, of this podcast is come school election time, it will give candidates who are conservatives more of a, I guess, platform than just typing up some post on Facebook or putting something on their candidate website and, you know, chat for a half an hour, an hour about everything that they want to do as a potential new uh, school board member. Sure. Yeah. And I think you said that you had, you had mentioned that you, um, before we got on, had interviewed and sat down and talked with Jensen, right? Scott Jensen? Yes, that was last week. That was last week. Um, he, if you look and look at the numbers of his race against Walls, that was like an insanely close race. Like, he was neck and neck. He was neck and neck. I would say he ran a, be- a good, if not better, campaign than Walls did. Just, just everything from his presentation to his social media to his press releases, to his tour and his campaign was just really rock solid and really locked and loaded. He did a, his team of people did a phenomenal job running his campaign. And that is the kind of level and the kind of performance that the GOP, that Wright County conservatives need to be operating at. And it takes money because a lot of it, unfortunately, is window dressing and aesthetics like you have to have money to pay a graphic designer to make your logo look good and your print your materials and you know pay for your rental spaces and all of that that goes into a camp the money side of a campaign any campaign will tell you it takes money but i think he he ran a phenomenal campaign and he ran a phenomenal race and um if elections were not what they were today we'll say that the nice way I think he could have. I think he could have won Minnesota. I mean, he didn't, but I think he could have if elections wouldn't be what they are today. Um, so, but that's Jensen is a really good example of what needs to happen for our side and how people need to be operating and networking. And I don't know how accessible like his resources are, or if he had like a professional team of campaigners that you know ran his campaign or a company or what. But getting the inside scoop from people who have done it really, really well, whether they win or lose, is super important. Learn from the people who have done it. Learn from their mistakes. Ask them what they would do differently. And then do it. It's just a matter of doing it. Um, And you see it happening all... You see it, you know, happening in other places. Uh, I just got to know... Um, a girl over in Illinois, I met her, I stumbled upon her online on social media and I got to chatting with her. She lives over in Illinois and she's very involved in conservative politics over in Illinois. And I guess she told me that her county, in her community, they ended up electing for one of their representatives, a 22-year-old boy, to represent them at the state, at the state level, and that he is just absolutely killing it and doing a phenomenal job of hmm. representing the conservative you know, ideology over in Illinois, and he's 22 years old. Like, what mm-hmm. resources do you have as a 20-something, you know, kid? You don't have probably a lot of resources, I wouldn't imagine. But that's just an example. If a 22-year-old kid in Illinois can be functioning at the state level representing com- 
conservative politics in his state, it can happen here. Mm -hmm. It just takes the people with the heart and that are willing to make sacrifices to do it. Because as you know, it's extremely time consuming to get into politics. It's, it takes a lot of money. It sacrifices a lot of personal time, a lot of, a lot of will, a lot of family time. Your family makes sacrifices. But it is a necessary evil to make any kind of a difference. And if a 22-year-old kid over in Illinois can do it, there are people in Minnesota that can do it. And I firmly, but ultimately, I firmly believe that the only way that this state is going to change is, A, if we repent, fall on our knees and cry out to God for repentance, as Second Chronicles 7.14 says, that if the people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and turn from their wickedness, that I will heal the land, I think, A, that's the first thing that needs to happen for real change, and B, we definitely need to not hang out in the weeds and be scared. Because I think that's what a lot of it is. is People are just really scared. They don't want to be canceled. They don't want to be harassed. I mean, look at people like Matt Walsh at The Daily Wire. When he came out with What is a Woman? I don't know if you watched that documentary. I haven't, but I have a subscription to Daily Wire. So absolutely, I need to. <laughs> absolutely watch What is a Woman. If you, need, if you have anybody in your life that challenges you on your... Um, val- traditional marriage values you absolutely need to watch what is a woman because it gives you so much information on how to present yourself in those kind of situations and and what questions to ask and just how to challenge a lot of that ideology it's a phenomenal documentary 10 out of 10 matt walsh if you ever hear this <laughs> you are just a hero to the cause um but absolutely watch it and i encourage every listener to watch it as well it was free on twitter for a while oh yeah they published the link on twitter and i guess it just blew up like a hundred million people watched it i believe elon elon tweeted tweeted that out himself and (laughs) was like hey watch this and i watched it and it was phenomenal and um i don't know where where was i going with that (laughs) I completely... Well, I was, well, we started at Wright County conservatism, but um, I'm thinking because I actually have a haircut. I don't know how much I'm going to actually get cut off of this mop that I have on currently, mm-hmm. but I have it coming up in a little while. So I think, and we're at an hour and 10 minutes. If oh you my can gosh. Believe that. I told you I could talk for an hour easily. Oh, I know. Easily. I can too. Um, easily. But let's close out with... <clears throat> Your thoughts, uh, predictions, anything else for, because you talked about how Wright County is not the center of the world, believe it or not, and things will happen, namely in 2024, we are looking at potentially the rematch. Oh boy. Uh, What are your predictions and thoughts on what will, because we know that a year out, Things can change. I, I I don't know why this pops into my head, but um, and what year it was? Maybe it was 08, But Howard Dean was looking like the 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 front runner for the Democrats, and then he had that wild scream on stage. Do you remember this? No, he was I was a, not a I was not a conscious adult okay. two, in two thousand and eight. <laughs> I it's, was still a kid. <laughs> it's quite funny. If it was two thousand and eight, it might have been because I think Obama got in late in two thousand and eight yes. in that whole primary. Correct. Yeah, but he Howard, was not the front runner. Howard Dean was the front runner, and he was at one of his campaign rallies, and he started like 
listing off all of these states that he that he was going to go through and they were going to win and he and he finished out this uh this list of states with this just wild like ha type scream and that was it like he was done wow and i didn't uh, see that oh yeah it's it's quite funny to i mean the the scream his his wild insane unhinged scream obviously became like you know like a ringtone and stuff like that oh boy before you had <laughs> smartphones back then uh but even i mean trump kind of came out of i mean you know wasn't it scott walker was the big one back mm-hmm. then yeah and, trump kind and of then he just surprised just, everybody yeah uh, so. Again, he shook the world. He was a world shaker. Your um, thoughts for 24, and and I'm guessing you're somehow going to relate Trump uh, to your favorite superhero, although oh I boy. really believe that Trump is more like my favorite superhero, which is the Punisher. And I, to tell you how reasonable of a person I am, I totally acknowledge that the Punisher is not civilized nor reasonable <laughs> or um doesn't play by anybody's rules. he doesn't he 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 is an absolute destructive force that wants to kill he's everybody unhinged. he's very unhinged um but and obviously that is figuratively speaking yes uh, when I say that although not in the Punisher's world but when we're talking politics I have thought that we need one more administration of the Punisher, which mm-hmm. is kind of like a Trump, and then we can get to we can get to the more civilized right, uh, the more civilized Republican presidential administrations, which would be more like your favorite hero of Batman. Oh yes, Batman! You're gonna really launch me on the tail end of the conversation with Batman. <laughs> But I would agree. I think that when we're talking politics, first of all, my prediction would be um, I think we're going to have a change of guard the closer we get to 24. I think... Do you think Trump will be the nominee? I think he will be. I think he I think he will be the nominee just because he is that household name and he is, again, I think what America needs. That's if he can get out from these... These charges of what is it now like five four hundred years lots, in prison blah lots blah. Of them. Um, if he can get out of being crucified in in, in the courts, um, but I think I think he will become the nominee just because people love him and people need him and America does need his kind of politics. I have said it before and I will say it again. Um, I think he could, I think he will be. I will be surprised if he is not. Um, but I really hope he is because we don't really have all that great of candidates outside of Trump will say that. So that is my prediction. But I, but going back to the changing of the guard, I think the other side of the political aisle is going to pull another magic trick out of their hat. And somehow my prediction is, is that Kamala is going to be the front runner of the, of that ticket. Um, Just because People are very well aware that Joe Biden is not fit to run this nation. I mean, it is very clear. I will, I've said it very clearly. He's not. And um, it's becoming more and more evident every day that he's developing, you know, cognition problems, can't carry on conversations, can't even stand upright anymore. He's very unbalanced. May think that we live in England. Yeah. God, may, God, God save, save the, the queen. queen. May think we live in England. Doesn't know what continent he's on. Um so it's becoming more, and I think they know that. They know what the public perception is. So I think we're going to have a changing of the guard 
And I think it's going to be something super, like, super quick that nobody predicts because it will not be a popular decision and people won't like it. So I think it has to be on the tail end of the campaign. So I think that's going to happen. Um, and I think it'll be an interesting election. I think it will. I think it will be an interesting election being that we are in a recession because I don't think the recession is going to be over by 24. Uh, there's long-standing consequences to this administration that we've had, um, and it's going to take a heck of a lot to dig ourselves out of what we've created as a grave here in the uh, on the economic front. But going back to Batman and the Punisher, I would agree with you. I think Trump is definitely more of a Punisher than he ever could be of a Batman. <laughs> I think the days of having a Batman-type political system are over i don't because if you think about it when you compare the two superheroes about punisher is very much a blunt force he's very out there he's very again balls to the wall doesn't care just plays by nobody's rules he's unhinged batman on the other hand is very calculative he's very sneaky he's an agent of the night he's very practiced and disciplined in what he does and he's you know a lot more I, I don't know if subtle is the right word, but he's very he yeah. he's a force to be reckoned with, and he doesn't play by the traditional standard of the law, but he is conscious of the law, and uh, he's walks he toes a very 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 delicate line, and I don't think I think the days of that in politics are over, and I think now more than ever we need somebody who is gonna fight the fight and bear the burdens and take the punches and the blows that. America that we need to get us back on track and who's going to be able to stand up to other countries I mean look at how Trump handled you know Korea how he handled you know the Middle East and how he's handled Russia and China um, everybody respected him for the kind of man that he was and that's the kind of president that we need to run this nation in these days so I that is my that is my summation of the Punisher and Batman in politics on the political sphere do you have a favorite aside of Trump, I'm I I know that DeSantis is a lot of people's favorite. I have nothing against him. I think he's a I think he's a very uh, I think he's a very good, decent uh, possible um, selection down the road. I like Tim Scott because we just live in a time where identity politics is everything, mm -hmm. and a Tim Scott, sadly would probably get a lot of votes purely because he was black. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Which I am not saying is a good thing. It's just the reality. It's just the reality of the, na <laughs> of, of the world we live in. Um, but I also like him politics. a lot, too. He just seems like a really good guy. He does. Um, outside of Trump, I would say about DeSantis, because I know that's the name everybody's wanting to hear. Um, there is a lot to DeSantis, I think, that we don't know. There's a lot, uh, I've heard things in the rumor mill that are super controversial that um, I personally haven't like started necessarily to deep dive into because I want to see what he does and what moves he makes on this chessboard before I cast too much of a shadow on him. But I think that there is a lot more to unpack there than what we know. And I would highly encourage people to begin, like I will as the election draws nearer, to begin to delve into their research about his policies and how he has governed Florida. He's done a really good job in Florida. Um, it's a reason why it's one of the fastest growing states in the union. Mm -hmm. um, and at first glance and at first blush, I think 
Um, he's a conservative and he's on the red side. But I think there's a lot there that we don't know. It's kind of like it's kind of like an iceberg. Um, you see the tip of it and there's a little bit of it, but who knows what goes on underneath, mm-hmm. right? So I think that is the case for DeSantis. The other one that I've heard quite a bit of commotion over that I am very curious about and I'm not really at necessarily, um, I guess not, not at liberty is not the right term, but like I'm not prepared to discuss um, Kennedy. Oh, RFK. Yes, RFK. I have heard the musings. He's interesting. <laughs> he's, uh, I've heard the musings that he is kind of the snake in the grass, and that he's the old school Democrat that everybody is maybe looking to outside of Trump, potentially. If you're not for Trump or DeSantis, I've heard RFK is, the play, is where you should land. Now, I haven't researched into any of his policy or what he's been doing or you know his stance on a lot of the core subjects that I take to heart when I look at politicians. I don't know yet because I haven't delved into the research, but he's one to watch. And I know his names have been in the wind of what's circling on the political Mm -hmm. sphere for the election. So I don't know what's there, but I'm very curious to see what comes of him too. I can tell you I will not vote for Joe Biden. I will not vote (laughs) for Hillary Clinton. I will not vote for Kamala Harris. Oh gosh, let's hope the wicked witch of the West is not back. She should just, she should just get in her go pant. back to the hole that she came out of. Get in her pantsuits and ride off into the sunset. Oh gosh, Lord help us, Lord help us. We already endure the Clinton administration. We don't need a second. <laughs> uh, well, um, we should probably close this out. That yes. was that was a good hour and 21 minutes oh gosh i told you i told you i was going to talk too much i do no (laughs) i apologize to all these good listeners you've listened to me ramble for a really long time it's okay (laughs) so again uh we thank miriam Orr, the former opinions writer for the wright county journal press i'm guessing a lot of you remember her because a lot of you have told me that you remembered her um thank you would you like to say any? I'm, I'm guessing you're going to give us a closing verse from the Bible. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that I'll give you a closing verse, but I will just say that it has been absolutely great. This is my first podcast, and I have loved every moment of it. And it's giving me a lot of ideas and a lot of, a lot of thoughts. But um, I will say, I will leave with the encouraging word that don't be scared. Don't be afraid. God has got this under control. I said it a lot in my column. Don't be afraid. Um, That is not the history of America. America was not born out of fear. It was born out of righteous, indignant anger. And, And just being fed up with control and being fed up with tyranny. And I think now more than ever in the history of America, maybe that's a bold statement. We are starting to feel that again, but it comes at a cost and don't be afraid. Our founding fathers were not afraid. Stand up, make your voice heard. God gave you a voice and he wants you to use it and just get back to the Bible, start praying and let God, let God take the reins. God, that's ultimately 
what needs to be taken away from this today is that God is in control and that the only thing that can bring America back is God and putting God back into our country, back into our schools, back into our politics. That's the only way. And it starts with each and every one of these people listening. It starts with each and every person that make up the fabric of this nation is making a decision that to follow God and to come back and and study history, study the history of America Study the mistakes so that we don't repeat history, but study so that we can have a better history. There's a lot to learn from the history of America and the world, but you have to know it. You have to know history so you can make it better. That's what I will say to close out. I like it. And as I have said numerous times that I did not grow up particularly religious, um, I'm a, a, a phrase that I have said and I've told my brother quite a few times lately, especially over the past couple months and year, is the question, are my St. Francis friends onto something? Because it is certainly looking like they might be with everything that is going on. So I thought you would be proud of me for that. Yes, that's a heck of a lot different than where you were when I first met you. Yep. <laughs> so. Great. I love it. Okay, everybody, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. Thank you. Uh, yes, and thank you, Miriam, for joining us. And we will see you next time. And with who knows what other uh, guest I will be able to dig up. From, who knows? From who it's knows where. It's a mystery. Where. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye.